There are times that I hate living in Iowa. Not just winter, although that would qualify um, also. I hate living in Iowa during election season. I mean, isn't it incredible? Did you, uh, last Sunday, this front page article in the Courier about how many TV spots, political TV spots there are in Iowa. And uh, it says in our metropolitan area, there are almost 198 every day. Every day. And I can guarantee that most of those are not between midnight and 6 a.m. That means they're about every 47 seconds, you know, when you're watching TV. And that doesn't include the phone calls. It just gets, it has been crazy, hasn't it? I, I'm really serious about this. I think maybe even this morning we ought to take up a collection and pay North Dakota to become the first in the nation. I mean, be humble, beg them to take it over, talk about all the benefits. Because we either do that or I move to North Dakota. One or the other is how that's going to go. Well, maybe it surprises you that we are actually talking about voting today. Because I feel like we try really hard as a church to be uh, nonpartisan and to avoid uh, even the the appearance of of being political in church. But we really believe that voting is uh, a moral issue. And a part of what we believe is that as Christians, we want to have what we call a consistent worldview. You know, we talk a lot in here about worldview, a Christian worldview, and maybe we don't explain very well what that is. At least when I use it, what I mean when I talk about a, a Christian worldview is the belief that my faith, my relationship with God, what I believe the Bible teaches affects every area of my life. That I am not just a citizen of this country, I am a citizen of God's kingdom. Now I have not only a president and a governor and a mayor, you know, I have a Lord who rules my life. And so one of the things that I want to do in my life is to, is to bring my faith and my belief in what, what the Bible teaches and say that it applies then to every area of my life. It's not just that it applies to certain things and not to others. It applies to everything. And so my job as a Christian then is to take what I believe is biblical truth and the Lordship of Jesus Christ and say, how does that apply to my job, my marriage, you know, my hobbies, um, how I spend my money? That all of those things are subject to the Lordship of Christ. So we believe then that that's true for how we vote how we live our lives as citizens of the United States, how we vote, in fact, is influenced by our Christian worldview. So that's kind of where we're going today. I believe that almost every political issue is at heart a moral issue. I would like to say that every Political issue is a moral issue, but there's some danger in saying that because then somebody would think of one that, that isn't. 
I learned a long time ago you have to be kind of careful about making those sort of blanket statements. I remember one time when I was a youth pastor meeting with a youth group. I was trying to help them understand that we are sinful people and that there's really no sin of which we are not guilty, of which we could say, well, at least I don't do that. So I said, so, you know, try to name a sin of which I'm not guilty. And so somebody said murder. And I said, no, you know, Jesus says if you're angry at your neighbor, you've committed murder. Adultery. No, you know, the Bible says that if you know, lust after someone in your heart. And then somebody said arson. <laughs> okay, I'm guilty of almost every, every sin, you know. So I thought of that this morning as I was thinking about saying, you know, that every political issue is at heart a moral issue. Okay, almost everyone, you know, the ones I could think of this morning, that when we talk about um, immigration or we talk about welfare or we talk about military readiness or we talk about financial responsibility, all those kinds of things that are a part of the political mix in this election season, we recognize that those are moral issues, and as such then, I want to approach them as a Christian with a Christian worldview. So what I want to do today is to make a couple points. You know, And the first one is I want to talk about, about how you vote. Because one of the things that you probably realize pretty quickly, I hope, is that good, Bible-believing, God-fearing Christian people come out at different places on political issues. They do, don't they? That there is no one political party that is God's party, no one political candidate, no one political platform. That Christian people who are doing what we're trying to do to apply the beliefs of their Christian life to political issues come out at different places. And it's kind of surprises me sometimes, catches me by surprise when I drive down the street and I see people that I was just sure would agree with me on everything and they've got a yard sign for some other candidate. What's that all about, you know? Christian people disagree. And so what we got to do then, what I hope we're able to do this morning is, you know, kind of dig beneath that. It's true not just in the political arena out there, we disagree within the body of Christ. We disagree with one another here at Orchard Hill. Let me give you an example. Baptism. I mean, you'd think something basic like baptism, everybody here at Orchard Hill would believe the same thing. But we don't. We disagree on who should be baptized. Should it be adults, adult believers? Should it be children? Should it be infants? How much water should you use? Should you just sprinkle a little bit on? Or as Doug does it, kind of by the handful? Or should you be out at, at George With being baptized by immersion? And what about people who don't believe in infant baptism and prefer infant dedication? You know? And so here we are, a body of Christ together, and we don't all agree about that. But I can almost guarantee that the next time that we have infant baptism here on Sunday morning, there are not going to be people in the parking lot picketing because they disagree with that. You can walk out there and you will probably not see any bumper stickers on cars, you know, saying honk if you've been immersed or... You know, my kid's a infant baptizee or, you know, something like that. 
that we do it within the church, within the body of Christ, right? We disagree about what the Bible says and how the Christian life ought to be lived out, and yet we're still able to live as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. So I think maybe what we want to do is to try to take that same spirit, that same kind of heart, into the political arena. Because we believe that good, honest people come to different conclusions. So here's what I say we need to do. I think we need to look at the issues that are political issues and take them to the Bible. So, I, you know, boy, it's dangerous to use any kind of illustration. But um, let's talk about something um, like welfare. You know, are we to provide for the poor, the needy? Uh, and if so, how are we supposed to do it? Well, if I go to the Bible with that issue in mind, I think I find that God says some pretty definite and important things about that, that God has a heart for the poor. In fact, we find, especially in the Old Testament, that God mentions three groups of people that he seems really concerned about, people who are usually disenfranchised. He mentions widows and orphans and aliens. Not space aliens. Aliens as... He, he maybe is concerned about aliens too. Uh, aliens in the sense of foreigners who live among you. You know, God says often those people need to be provided for. In fact, in the Old Testament, God even provides some instructions to Israel about, about how that's to be done. One of the ways is through the practice of gleaning. So when a farmer was harvesting his crop... And, of course, that was being done by hand. If you missed some, you weren't supposed to go back and go over the field again. You were to leave it. You weren't to to harvest all the way to the edges of your field. And the idea was that you would leave that for the poor so that a poor person could come and glean from that field, could pick up, you know, what was left so they would have food for their family. So I go to the Bible and I see that. I see God's heart for the poor. So then I've got to say, okay, how does that apply Today, I actually tried this last week. I went out to Darwin Candigator's farm, tried to do some gleaning. He got out his shotgun. You can't just take that principle and say, okay, we're going to apply it to 21st century America. So I go to the Bible and the Bible says, or if you don't work, you don't eat. Simple. If you don't work, you don't eat. It says everybody should work. But what is, what does that say to a society where One out of ten almost, one out of ten people can't find work. They want to work and they're not able to find a job. What does that say for the children who are born into homes of poverty? So so I take the issue, which I believe is at its heart a moral issue, and I go to the Scripture, I go to the Bible, and I try to, to understand what it is God is saying there. And one of the things I find is that not very often does God give me the kind of black and white answer that I would like to have. That when I take even things that seem pretty clear in the culture of 2,000 years ago and try to bring them over to today, the waters get kind of muddy. And it's a lot of work to try to think through those things and to discern what God's will would be with that issue in our culture, you know, in our society today. It's not so easy. So here's what I would suggest. I'm, I'm telling you how to vote now. Take notes on this. I would suggest that you make a list of those issues that you think are important. 
the political issues. And you know the kinds of ones that keep coming to the top. And that you take each of those and you try to look at them through a Christian worldview lens to try to say, what does the Bible say about that? To try to understand what God's heart is in that particular issue. And then I would say the next thing to do is to prioritize those issues because there's going to be a lot of them and you probably are not going to find anybody who's going to agree with you on every one of those issues. So you might think, I would like to vote for a candidate who, who lines up exactly with what I believe. It's probably not going to happen, is it? At best, you're going to find somebody who agrees with two or three or four or five of the issues that you feel strongly about. So I'm going to want to vote based on those priority issues, the things that I think are really important, and try to find a politician and a political party and a platform that matches up most closely with the things that I think are important to God and that are important for us as a, as a nation and important for us um, as a community. So that's the first point. You know, how should you vote? And that's the, that's the instruction I would give you on that. The second is then, so how do I guard my heart through this process? I know that you guys are reacting a lot the same way I do. You're getting angry and frustrated and annoyed. And sometimes with those people who phone, you get downright rude and you say things you wish you hadn't and you hang up loudly. You hang up loudly and... <laughs> The Bible says that what's really important to God is our heart. I talked the last three weeks, I taught about my life verse, which was 2 Timothy 1.7. Remember, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. If I had another life verse to, to choose, you know, one of the verses I would probably choose is Proverbs 4.23. It says this, above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. You know, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I, I almost hate to say this, but I think God is more concerned about your heart than he is about the election. God is more concerned about your attitude and how this whole election thing is affecting your heart than he is about the election. I... I had a great quote from an online email that I get every day. It's from a, an organization called All Pro Dad, which apparently is meant for uh, dads, you know, like me who were professional athletes at one point. <laughs> and, uh, and it says something that, that really struck with me. It says, you know, it is possible to disagree with respect, to be wrong with integrity, and to be right with humility. I thought, man... I am so far from that during this political season. I've really got to guard my heart. So one of the things I realize is that God is sovereign and he can control elections. You know, God can make this election turn out any way he chooses to. Back in the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 8, it says, By me, and this is God speaking, By me, kings reign and rulers make laws that are just by me, princes govern, and all nobles who rule the earth. Yeah, God is in control. 
And I think God is going to use my vote. But I think more important than how I vote, God is concerned about my heart, about what this election season is doing to my heart. So one of the things I need to realize then as I'm guarding my heart is that there are a lot of differences among even those of us who are Christians and within our nation. And those people I need to treat with uh, with respect and dignity. I need to do what that all pro dad email said. You know, I realize that I that I am to treat people who differ from me politically with respect and honor. It's hard to do, isn't it? And especially because some of the political issues for all of us are so deeply ingrained and we feel so deeply and emotionally about it. It's very hard, very hard to be with someone who feels very strongly the opposite way and to be able to show love and respect and concern. I think that's really tough. When I was talking about my life verse, you may remember as I was talking about love, I was saying I admitted that there are people that I don't like. And as I was thinking about that for today, I was realizing, you know, those are very often people that I don't like because I don't like their political views, because I don't like the stand that they have taken on certain political issues. And maybe it's to those people especially that God wants me to show love. What... Uh, what an amazing opportunity this is for us to model Christ-like behavior in a time when, when virtually everybody is showing a lot of rudeness and disrespect and anger. You know, for us as followers of Jesus Christ who realize that we are primarily citizens of His kingdom, to show love and respect and concern could be a huge light, could be a big salt shaker in a society that that needs salt and light. So we need to vote, I think then, joyfully, joyfully and gratefully. What a privilege that is. You, you stop and think about that. That most people throughout history, most people in the world today would give anything to be able to live in a society like ours, a free democratic society where we get to choose those who govern us what, what a gift God has given to us. And I hope that when you step into that voting booth or voting cubicle or whatever it is, you remember when you used to have the big booths with the curtains and you'd close the curtain and push the levers? Now they hand you a Sharpie, you know, and a piece of paper. It's not quite the same, but the principle is the same. When you step into that little place to vote, I hope the first thing you do is say thank you. Thank you, God, that we have the right to be here today and I have the freedom to be able to cast this vote to choose those who are, who are going to be governing us. Be grateful for those men and women who over these last couple hundred years, you know, have given their lives and years of their lives to defend and secure the rights that we enjoy today. This freedom did not come cheaply. And we ought to be so grateful to them and to the God who has given us those freedoms. I think you need to be very careful about what you put into your mind during this election season. There are a lot of political commentators who are spewing a lot of hate 
and anger and in many cases misinformation. And if that's all you're listening to and if that's all you are reading, it's going to affect you. It's going to affect your heart. I think it, I think it's really hard to listen to people like that, to read the things they have written and not let it harden your heart, shrink your heart. And God holds you responsible for that. So I would say be very discerning in amount about the counsel that you receive, you know, about politics. Be very discerning about the people that you're going to be listening to. Okay, just one other thing then, and that is that this doesn't all end a month from now when we vote, does it? Because about half of us, more or less, are going to come that following Sunday disappointed and unhappy because the guy you voted for didn't win, you know, the issue that you cared about didn't pass, the party that you didn't want to be in control is in control. What are you going to do at a time like that? Well, I think you realize that God wants us still to show respect for those in office, respect for our government. So I want to kind of wind things up by reading to you three passages of Scripture. Um, and they're kind of long, one of them especially. And I want you to listen and see what God is saying to us about this. The first one is from First Timothy uh, chapter 2. It says, I urge then, first of all, that request prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So God is saying, you know, after this election, one of the things that we are to do is we are to pray for our our elected officials. I, I don't often get to give kind of a congregational prayer in this service, but I frequently do at the 830 service in our sanctuary. And and very often, I try to remember to include prayers for our president and our members of Congress and our governors and our mayors and the members of, this, uh, of the Congress, you know. God says we need to pray for them. We need to be thankful for them. Next is from Romans chapter 13. And this is kind of long, but it says some really important stuff. So see if you can follow with me on this. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. No. So let me just stop for a minute. So God established government. That's the means by which God is providing a right kind of atmosphere in which people may prosper. Verse 2. So consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. If you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He's God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. You probably wondered about that. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, 
Raise your hand. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So here Paul is saying that God not only instituted government, but the government you have has a purpose. And it's to to punish wrongdoing and to provide the kind of atmosphere in which good can prosper. So the question comes up, you know, if you're living in Nazi Germany, should you respect that government? Should you obey them? Well, are they doing what God said government should do? Obviously, they weren't. They were not punishing evil. They were not, you know, providing for the good. So I would say, no, then, you are not subject to that government. But for our government today, certainly, you know, as they are trying to do what what is good and right, you know, we owe them our respect because when we show respect to those who govern us, we are showing respect to the God who ordained government. One more, First Peter it says, "Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right." For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. So that's a challenge for us today. To show respect to those who govern us, to submit to government, because when we do that, we are showing respect and honor and we are submitting to God who works out his will through the institution of government. We have today uh, voter registration application forms that are in the atrium today at the information centers. Uh, it's a pretty simple form. If you are not yet registered, boy, we would sure encourage you to do this. Pick this up. Uh, fill it out. There's the address where you mail it in. Um, it was kind of interesting to me that I would be one of the teachers teaching on this because, boy, this has been a struggle for me, and I have not modeled it very well. I say a lot of nasty things about uh, some politicians, and I know it's been a a heart issue for me that I really need to work on. So I'm going to be praying for you in that regard, and I'd ask you to pray for me, you know, that my heart might be right with God during this election season, and to pray that God's will would be done through this election process. So we're going to uh, close in prayer. Uh, Well, Lord God, thank you that you created people in such a way that we could um, organize ourselves and have governments. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you deeply that we live in this free nation and that we're going to be able to go uh, to the polls and vote. What a privilege. Thank you uh, for this nation. And I thank you for uh, the women and men who are willing to serve in, in public service, in public office, and it's, they have tough jobs, tough jobs, Lord. And so I would pray that our hearts would be right, that you would give us, you know, love, even for those that we don't like, because we want to honor you in this area of our life as in every other area. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.